Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I am a hospice social worker. Today, I am just so excited to bring you an update from Dr. Jackie. She is the veterinarian that spent some time with us September of 2019. We had an amazing two-part discussion that I will be re-releasing this week as well. And this is an update from since COVID started. We originally had talked about uh, veterinarian suicide, why the rates were so high, how things could be improved, and how they stave off... uh, issues with mental health. So this update uh, is an update of that, how veterinarians have survived during COVID and what is new in her world, including helping out new veterinarians and ones that have been in the field for a while by starting a coaching business. So please join us. I'm super excited. And here's the conversation. Hi. Good morning. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Okay. Long time no see. I know, huh? I was just looking up when we uh, did this last, and it was September of 2019, which feels like about five years ago. It really does. Yeah. <sighs> That's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, it's weird to tell time anymore, because it's like 2020 never happened, like the whole year never happened, but also it lasted for like five years. So yes. it's like <laughs> simultaneous thing that it's like, I, I have no idea where I am. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Well, I uh, plan on re-releasing the other episodes so we can just have a follow-up and remind people, since it does feel like a million years ago, um, what we talked about last time. But I want to just catch up with you. I know most of our conversation last time was about, you know, getting people to understand the struggles of veterinarians and that people don't really think about what you guys go through. And how much worse it's been since COVID. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this year has been hard for everyone. You know, it's, whenever I talk about struggles that we have, I always want to like preface it with like everyone, everyone has had struggles this year because we're going through something that we've never gone through before, you know, and, and there's no, people are scared. And a lot of times when people are scared, it, you know, it just comes out in frustration and anger. And so we have a lot of empathy for that. Of like, you know, people's animals are their, their lifeline, you know, and it's like the world is unknown and scary. And then you look towards your dog looking at you, your cat looking at you, and you're just like, you have to be okay. Everything has to be okay here. And so we totally understand that. Um, and, and that's what we are here to support, you know, like from the beginning when everything first came out, you know, we were scrambling, thinking, like, well, how can we make sure that we are continuously here for our clients and patients? Because that's, like, our number one priority. When it was, like, you know, are we um, essential or do we get to continue to work or are we, we told to shut down? Like, all of those things came up and we just thought, like, we have to be here for people. Um, and so that's, like, our core objective. Like, that's our value, you know, for that. And that's what's kind of kept us going. But it has been a really hard year for all veterinarians across the country, everywhere. I don't know any vet who has not felt the effects of this past year. And there's a lot of factors involved for why it's been such a tough year for veterinarians. Um, But, you know, one is that everyone is like getting a pandemic puppy. (laughs) So you're home more. (laughs) So you're home more and you want to, you know, have your, 
your companion with you, which that makes total sense. And, you know, so shelters were cleared out. Um, fosters were being utilized. And so people have taken home foster pets, which are now probably forever pets. And um, people are, are also buying, you know, animals from breeders. And so there's just like pet ownership is up in general. So that's a huge part, which is wonderful. But it also adds like this complete influx of, you know, new pets for us to be, to see. Um, and then there's also a lot of people are home more observing their pets. So things that like maybe have been going on for years that they weren't really aware of or didn't really seem like it was a big deal now is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And they want to be seeing, you know, like uh, a growth that's been there for three years. And like now, like it's an emergency to, to have this growth checked out. So there's a lot um, more visits in regards to that, which again is great that, you know, pets are getting cared for. Um, and a, another part that makes it harder is just that doing, so we've been doing curbside for over a year now and, and it just takes a lot of staff for that to, to work. And just well. so people listening understand curbside, meaning you don't have, uh, families bringing their pets into your office. Cause you got a pretty small office front area. Yeah. Yeah. We have a really small office. Like our people who know our clinic, like our waiting room is small, our exam rooms are small and it's just. You know, it, the clinic is originally like an old house, you know, and right. kind of outgrown our space a little bit, but this <laughs> is what we have. So, um, you know, so we just were not able to keep everyone safe um, being in the clinic together with the, the clients and the patients. So what we've done is have people check in in the parking lot and then we bring the pets into the clinic and we do our exam and we, we call and talk on the cell phone about what, what's going on. So, um you know, it's, it's actually worked out fairly well for all of us doing curbside because at, at my clinic, no one, no one has gotten COVID. So we've thank all, goodness. Yeah. We've all been so careful and so respectful of each other because we work, there's no way for our fellow coworkers to be six feet apart, you know, right. work right up on top of each other, working on pets together. So there's just no way for that to happen. So we've had to be really respectful of each other and what we do outside of work and what we do at work. And we're really thankful that none of us have gotten sick and we haven't missed a beat in terms of being able to be there for our, our clients and patients. But yeah, so curbside, the process in itself just is a little more time consuming with having to like shuttle patients in and out. And, um, and then people just need, people just need more time when you speak to them too. That's what I'm really finding this year is that people, a lot of people are home and isolated and this might be the only time they talk to someone in a mm. few days. And, and so they need a lot of reassurance. They just need a, a lot of, you know, they just need a lot of talking and connection. And, you know, so that's another part of it too, is that like every interaction you have with someone just takes a little bit more time and a little bit more emotional energy. So, um, and like, you know, like I said, like I, I get that and I want to be there for people. That's always the prime objective um, is to be there for people. And, um, you know, part of it, too, is that there's going to be people who are not are not as nice, you know, are frustrated by having to wait a few days to get into us or having to wait in the parking lot or whatever it may be. They're frustrated by it or really they're just scared about their life or about what's going on with their pet. And it comes out in frustration and anger. And so there's just a lot of like having to do like emotional shielding, you know, and 
or mostly the you know the receptionists and the assistants who are going out there probably get the brunt of it over I do but um it's it's hard we've all had to kind of just like understand and like not take that personally and to you know try to focus on like that the fact there that those people are that upset is because not because of anything that we've done wrong or anything personal about us it's just that they're upset and just have empathy towards that so um, but it's taken, it's taken a mind shift, you know, to, to survive this year, basically. Um, and I feel like we've come out of it stronger. Like, at least I can speak for my clinic, you know, I, I'm really proud of how we have gotten through this year, because I think that we've all really taken care of each other. Um, and we really show a lot of respect towards each other and concern for each other. And, and that's been such a comfort because you know, like what we like to say is that it's, you know, when the world is crazy, like you need to have your safe port in the storm and your home and your work should be that place if you can make it. So we've done everything we can at our clinic to make that be the safe port in the storm for all of our staff. And then, and then that will translate to them being there for our clients and patients. So I think we've done a really good job of it. And, um, you know, I mean, like I said, none of us have gotten sick. We all are pretty much all vaccinated at this point, and we'll hopefully be able to start going towards doing more like an, a, a different ver- version of curbside where we have people kind of come in one at a time to go into the exam room and out. Um, but it's not going to be normal for a while. You know, it's, it's going to be having to adapt to the times and what's going on. So, but that's... You know, that's one of the reasons why it's been harder for all veterinarians. And then, you know, just because that caseload is so high, then we have to do a lot more of, like, sending emergencies to emergency clinics because we can't, you know, stop the whole day when we have 30 patients to see in a day and, you know, do an emergency surgery or something. So we have to send to emergency clinics. And then the emergency clinics are also being really backed up too so there's often like very long waits at emergency clinics um and even some clinics are saying like we're at capacity and don't even come here so that's meant something i've never experienced before um in my 10 years of practice to, to actually have emergency clinics be that backed up but i'm hearing that at lots of different places around the country that um that is that is what the reality of emergency medicine right now too well, and frankly, the reality of people medicine. So yeah. I'm sure it's following yeah. the same trends. I was just thinking back on our, our talk before when, when you were talking about this, how emotionally strenuous it was because veterinarians don't get taught, you know, the people skill side of things. Yeah. You just don't even think about that factor. And then it becomes the reality of mm-hmm. your patient is the pet. However, <laughs> it's really the owner. that that you're having to deal with and then piling on top of that all of this additional world global stress and fear and then having to spend more time with each person on top of more people with pets and having more people to see yeah it's like there's not enough hours in the day no there's not enough hours and there's not enough like uh mental capacity you know like i leave my work days way more exhausted than i did pre-pandemic and it's gotten better. Like in the beginning, there was all of the stress of like, how do I keep myself safe? How do I keep my staff safe? And 
you know, after a few months of being like, okay, we've got a rhythm down, we know how to do this, um, that, that stress was a little alleviated, you know, it's like, just, you know, wear your PPE, do your protocols, you'll be okay. But even in the beginning, like, because we didn't know about, this is emerging pathogen, we didn't know about this virus was going to do, there was even stuff about, like, you know, can house cats spread this? Right. Can we give it to our cat? Can they give it to us? You know, and it was just, and then you would see these articles come out, and then we get tons of phone calls about, like, I saw there was a cat that tested positive, or there was a big cat at the zoo that tested positive. What does that mean for me? I think my cat has COVID. You know, we would get those calls, too, and those appointments. And so it was just, like, this constantly changing world that you had to keep up with, you know, and see, like, and trying to do an assessment about, like, what the risks actually are. And as veterinarians, you know, in an emerging pandemic, like it's some, it, that's part of our training actually is, you know, in school, we learn about one health and being aware of zoonotic diseases that like animals can get to people and, and see what's going to happen. And so when all of that discussion came out about like, what about our cats? What about our dogs? You know, we had to be at the forefront of like reading the research and knowing how to communicate with clients and being vigilant and saying like, I have a cat that has respiratory symptoms and there's an owner in the home who's COVID positive. Should I be doing testing? Should I be sending it to the lab? Where do I send it? How do I do that? You know, so it's like we had to really like step into that and know that like we are an important part of this. Um, we have to be vigilant. We have to be watching for cases communicating with clients so that that was a really big deal too you know to be like just the stress of that and it seems now we know a little bit better that it doesn't seem like that is um so much to worry about but again we're going to continue to be vigilant about that so there's several veterinary reference labs now who have you know developed tests for it and everything so nice and you touched on it a little bit about the clinic being a safe port in the storm how do you manage, you know, with yourself and with your staff? What what are you guys doing specifically to maintain your own mental health, sanity, and boundaries, yeah. and um, just being healthy? Yeah, uh, we talk we talk a lot to each other. Um, we're you know we're small staff, like ten people, and so we have a lot of meetings, and we just kind of circle the wagons and we talk about what's working, what's not working. So we've had to adapt our protocols, you know, as time goes on, um, to make it function for everyone. And, and just, I I think honestly, the biggest reason why we're okay is because we have looked each other in the eye and we said, I care about you and I want you to be safe. Mm. And we all, we've worked together for a long time. We all really know each other really well. And, um, we know that, when we would leave work, we would go home and we continue to be careful. You know, we weren't having parties on the weekends. We weren't doing, we were following just safety, safety procedures everywhere we go. And so we knew that we could trust each other. And we talked a lot, you know, we would talk during the day about like, if someone was upset, like if a client was upset and there was a scene or something, you know, we would just say things like, I would try to say things like, imagine how they feel right now. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're kicking our boxes outside. They're really angry, but they're living with that anger and they're scared. They're Mm -hmm. scared. And so trying to really kind of focus on like, 
that it has nothing to do with us. You know, it doesn't mean that we're doing that we're doing a bad job because we are doing a really good job. You know, that's kind of our, our phrase of like, we're doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. Like, we are because we care. We're doing the best we can because we truly care. And when we emphasize that and tell each other that all the time, it's easier than if someone does kind of act out or have a little hissy fit or whatever to not take that personally and to be able to just say, like, they're really struggling with this. You know, and we're going to be able to meet them and do what we can do, but we do have boundaries. And if they cross a line, you know, <laughs> if they cross a line, then then we're going to say, you know, I'm sorry, I can't, we can't help you right now, you know, because we do, we can't just be doormats and like, you know, take abuse from people. I remember we talked about that last time too, that there's got to be some kind of professional boundary that you know despite how they're feeling it doesn't mean that they can just be abusive yeah yeah i I wonder how how have you dealt with the um you know euthanasia i imagine is probably pretty similar to people dying in hospitals they're still not allowed to be there you know they're their owners so has that been particularly worse or is that about the same across the board for all care it's been okay so that's been a hard topic because there are some practices that have allowed people to come in for that so specifically. Um, and a lot of those practices are because they have like a separate, they have a separate spot of the hospital where it's like more of an open area and there's a direct door to the outside mm. and they can do that. And we just don't really have a setup like that in our practice for that. So we haven't been able to do that, but we have done um, like euthanasia outside or like in the back of like trucks or cars and stuff like that and so that it's not they can be there or what they'll do is the animal will get sleepy like we'll sedate them they'll get sleepy with the with the person and then bring them in mm. so um that that has worked okay but it's not that's a hard topic because i don't want anyone to have to say goodbye to their pet and not be there with them if that's what feels right to them um, and so there are some people who have just utilized the other practices that can accommodate that better, or even like at-home euthanasia veterinarians who have been able to do it at home. And I think, I think a lot of them do it outside, you mm. know, go do the, do the procedure outside at, at people's homes to stay safe. But um, yeah, that's been hard because I think there's a lot of people who, especially at the beginning, were, were not choosing euthanasia and kind of letting like old pets kind of hang in there a little bit longer than they normally would because they didn't want to go through a euthanasia and this kind of protocol so mm-hmm. yeah it's been really rough well and like you said there that pet may be their only emotional support so they probably even more so don't want to have to go through that or let them yeah. linger longer or that kind of thing yeah something that i've seen come out in this past year is a lot of pets who are really sick, like really just old sick, you know, nothing, nothing young, like just like they're, they have multiple diseases that have been treated, but really just can't be treated anymore. And people not being able to make that decision to euthanize and not really seeing them, not really being able to see it objectively that like these pets are really, really sick and really old. Um, and there's kind of, and I've seen it enough in a lot of different, enough different people that it really is like a phenomenon right now where I think it's just related to 
it's hard. I think it's hard for people to just really see what's happening in front of them because there is so much stress in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. So like to really face that, like it's time to say goodbye to your old friend. It's just not something that they can do. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a lot of I know for myself, and I've heard it from other vets too. A lot of that, like um, that moral stress of seeing a pet who's quality of life is just not there anymore and really should be euthanized that the owners are not able to make that decision yet mm-hmm. so that's been rough too yeah absolutely well i one last question about that and then i want to pivot to something a little more positive for you um what kind of practices have you started during the pandemic do you think that you'll continue after everything is quote unquote back to normal yeah totally um well i we've been trying to focus on because we don't see people face to face focus on how to do client communication a little bit differently and and um, so we're we're developing different ways to like communicate with clients through like an app based, um, and I, I know and that's going to come up this and that will definitely continue. So I think it'll be instead of having you know face to face or phone calls be the only way that a better way to you know communicate with your vet through um, like texting through an app or sending emails through an app um, and sending pictures and everything like that. So I think that will really help. And I also feel, I think the biggest thing is that there's, there's a climate shift, like in our, in our clinic where, and I think a lot of, where we understand that we have, we have a value system of like, this is what we want to do. This is the kind of that we want to be. This is what we want to provide for people. But we also know that we're human beings and we need to take care of ourselves and each other. And one difficult entitled client cannot ruin our day and i think that we've built up some resiliency and we've strengthened our boundaries and strengthened our care for each other um in a way this year that will never change oh i'm sure it helps to have strong leadership to you you know and reinforce to your staff that that's okay and that they are supported and they're backed up and not yeah. have them feeling like they're out there. You know, in some bigger companies, they may feel kind mm-hmm. of not supported or just taking the brunt of everything. Whereas in your yeah. clinic, it's nice that not only are, you know, not just because you're small, but because you actually do care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're really, really lucky that we are all on the same page about it. You know, the, our practice owner and, and all of us, we're all leaders in our own right. And we um, all feel the same way. And there's no, like, you know, being thrown to the wolves or you know you just have to suck it up and deal with it it's like you know we are we are circling the wagon we're taking care of each other you know so I am so thankful for that because I have heard stories from other veterinarians who work like for larger corporations and stuff that their health um, and safety and mental health have not been a priority this year and that's so difficult to deal with yeah absolutely ah COVID. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, I mean, I think veterinarians are no exception. Every company has been forced into new technologies. And I have seen the survey go out about communication preferences. And Mm -hmm. I really love your social media posts where you're posting the the love that you're giving to the pets and reassuring um, patients, families that they're being loved on when they're in the back. Oh, yeah. They get, I mean, we 
we just let our like baby talk fly, right? And, like, <laughs> there's no, because there's no audience, so we can just say whatever we want. And these these pets get loved on big time, and they're super relaxed. Honestly, a lot of patients who would be more stressed with their person there, um, because they, they they pick up on the energy of the stress of the client, um, are, are do really really well. So we majority of my patients actually are more relaxed on curbside than they would be with their with their own there so interesting mm-hmm. this uh this is pretty relaxed back here i don't know if you <laughs> <laughs> yep. he'll, right he'll have to make a visit pretty soon i'm sure yeah. we're overdue for shots <laughs> <sighs> so yeah let's pivot on something else that we talked about and i want to bring up is you mentioned that you have started something new since since our little original talk in September. So tell me all about that. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it really was around the time, and now that I know September 2019, that when we did that first um, podcast and talked about it, it really kind of got things moving in my brain about the fact that, you know, we really, as veterinarians, we do need support and we do need tools for how to best live in this world that we are in as veterinarians and so I started a program through IPAC and it's for um, for coaching for getting trained to be a coach and so I just completed that program and now I am starting a business for veterinarians but also for other people in like the care professions on uh, basically like personal development coaching and how do these go from just surviving the profession and getting through the day to actually thriving? And what I've learned from this is something that I kind of touched on that a little bit when we first spoke, but the understanding that to make great change and to, to, to improve this profession for all of us, for, for both the veterinarians and the support staff and the client relations, um, is it's not just being, hey, this is tough for us to be nice to us, you know, and, and setting those boundaries, but also, like, what is it about ourselves that brought us to this profession, and what is it about ourselves that makes it hard for us to carry this load? And that's really where the coaching kind of comes in, because what I've realized is a lot of times it's hard for us to set boundaries because if we really question ourselves, we don't even know that we deserve to set those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so everyone is unique in what is actually going on in their heads, right? Everyone has their own messaging, and um, that's important to explore. But I know for myself, I went through this journey of like self-discovery and personal growth, and I realized that my whole life, I have gotten value, like felt felt self-worth from what I can do. Mm. So I never felt like I just had inherent value and worth from just existing. And that came from my childhood and the way I was raised. And it was reinforced through school. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you work hard, you get an A, teachers like that. You get into, you pass your classes, you get, you know, scholarships, you get into vet school. You make the, the professors happy, and you're reinforced by that. If you do, then you're good. Mm-hmm. And 
that's rough to carry for your whole life because then you just turn into like this crazy to-do list which basically I was I was a crazy to-do list (laughs) and then also you are so easily damaged by like if you do something you put your best into it right and then someone's unhappy that feels like a personal stab at who you are at your heart and I would realize that like I would be on this emotional roller coaster because every everything I felt was dictated on like how someone perceived what I did for them Mm. and that was too hard of a burden to carry and so through this coaching program and just a lot of self-development that I've been through in the last few years I've come to realize that like if I just get to my core thought and understand why it is that I have that like I'm that crazy to-do list and reassess that core thought and not really like get it up to speed with who I am as an adult in this world right now then a lot of that stress and anxiety and that pressure I put on myself just falls away and now I am I just I am you know I'm not a to-do list I just am (laughs) (laughs) and that's good you know and relieving that pressure and just showing up authentically like that it allows me then to, you know, handle the norm because the stresses of the day are not going to change. Mm-hmm. The stress will be for that. That's just how it is. But it, I can handle it better now, and I can, um, I can focus on, you know, knowing that, like, if at the end of the day, if I could look back and say, like, are you proud of how you acted today? And if I am, that's all that matters. You know, it doesn't matter if, if someone was happy with me or someone you know, said that I didn't work hard enough or, you know, I could have seen more cases or whatever that may be. None of that matters. It's just like, it's it's learning love and compassion for yourself, really. Are you and able so to see yourself as just Jackie instead of Dr. Jackie? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I am more of a complete person now, you know, like, it's not just, oh, I'm a vet and I work hard, you know, mm-hmm. like, I... I'm a whole brained person and the connections that I've made through this coaching journey have really reinforced that for me, like how important that is. And I've kind of like rediscovered the, the right side of my brain <laughs> that I kind of like neglected for all of these years in school of being a vet. I'm just, you know, like we all have a creative side. We all have that, that connection to people and that kind of that intuition and that just, you know, we all have that within ourselves, but we forget a lot of that. And when you just hit the pause button and connect back to you, you know, we are a complete wheel of life. You know, we're not just one-sided of just work and science and, you know, we're everything. And when you can connect and fill all of that, that's when you'll show up as a happier person and, and then influence other people, you mm-hmm. know, like that that energy is contagious in a work environment and then with your clients going forward. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love every (laughs) single thing about what you just said. I just, I really so appreciate your vulnerability and being able to speak to that because I think there are so many people out there, hopefully listening, um, that, that can benefit from something like this and from your experience and understanding 
you know, them coming from a similar background and just thinking about work and achievement and that's the only measure of success and to be able to see outside of that and get coaching. I mean, in my work, it happens a lot where, um, you know, and I'm not immune to it by any means, but there certainly are certain types of work like social work or that kind of thing where we are focusing more in our education about seeing a person as a whole person and working through moral distress and that kind of thing um, still doesn't make me immune to any of those other factors that are cultural or growing up. But I find that in other professions, other working professions, like the ones I work with, nurses and aides, that didn't get that um, interpersonal work in their education. And so if you're not doing that personal journey or looking outside to find that, how how will you know if you've never been exposed yeah. to it? No, you, you, you wouldn't know. I mean, when I started my IPEC training unit, my first module, I walked away from that weekend and I was like, I have had eight years of higher education <laughs> I've ever done. You think, how is that possible? This is like human 101, what yeah. I'm learning. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, this should be a requirement in undergrad. It shouldn't be that I'm, you know, 10 years out of graduate school and finally learning this stuff. Yeah, um, or or maybe so, should it be part of high school? <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's just it's, yeah, it's really basic stuff. And and what I really love about it is, um, there it's science based. I mean, there's so much research to back up, you know, what what ha- what happens to people in their brains. Mm-hmm. And like, where, when you really, if I could really encapsulate like what coaching is, it's it's just taking this mess that's up in your brain and like funneling it down to something that's really organized and it makes sense to you. And then once you understand why it is that you do what you do, then you're like, oh, well, first of all, I'm no longer judging myself for that because it makes sense why I do that. And second of all, now I have the opportunity to say, do I really want to do this? Or am I doing this from a message that was given to me when I was three years old? And like, how, how is it serving me now in this present day and how, and what I want to do going forward? So it gives you that power and that choice. Mm-hmm. And it's just such an empowering experience to go through it. And, and to realize that like everything that comes up, because life just keeps coming up. No matter what kind of personal growth you've done, life keeps coming up, right? Pandemics happen, things happen. <laughs> and, but you have the tools, you have the ability to say, well, let me like, really look at this and see why I'm feeling these feelings I'm feeling right now where where is this stemming back to deep within me and what am I going to do with that information and how am I how am I going to choose to show up and so you're you're taking the mystery out of it you know and and coaching is so you know it's different than therapy where therapy is such a valuable thing to go through I mean I'm Therapy saved me, absolutely, and I think everyone will benefit from therapy. But therapy is like healing, you know, from the past. And coaching is where you take, you know, someone who's very functional, but you're just trying to go to that next step, go become optimal, you know, become like the best, the best version, the best thriving version of you. And and what's so cool about coaching is that, you know, you, you when you work with a coach, the coach has the coach doesn't have the answers, you have the answers. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be an expert in any field. You just have, as a coach, you are just an expert in like really listening to someone and really seeing their energy and really just kind of probing and having that person re- reveal the answers to themselves. 
and then also to ask, well, what do you want to, what do you, do you want to do with that information, with that new awareness? What do you want to do now? Mm-hmm. And so creating actions and having accountability for like how you're, you're going to actually change and move forward. And so that's very different than therapy because typically you don't have that kind of like that um, actions that, you know, at the end necessarily. So um, it's just such a cool experience. I'm so thankful that I've gone through it personally. And that's really why I started it was just for personal development. But now I have just a strong passion and a strong vision vision that it's going to become normalized for all veterinarians to work with coaches, just like you know, having a gym membership, you know, and, and it's going to be what we all do. And even see these corporations have internal coaches and just the more people I talk to about it and the more people they get to experience it, then, then they can take what they learned from that and share it with their staff and share it with their, their colleagues and, um, like just raise our level of consciousness and, and make us go from surviving to thriving and really turn this profession around because we desperately need to. I love every bit of it. I'm very excited <laughs> for you. Uh, so if people are looking for that kind of service, do you have openings and where can people find you? Yes. So um, I my, my company and I'm in the beginning stages of doing all the technical parts of it. So website development is not my strength. I will give you that, but um, I'm my company is called Wise and Wonderful Coaching and W I S E. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm taking notes so I can put it in the show notes so people can find oh, yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. Why, why is it wonderful? Coaching. Why is it wonderful coaching? Yeah. Okay. And I can send you more contact information, but um, for right now, I'm just kind of you know focusing on people that come to me and um, do one-on-one coaching. That's what my focus is on right now. Um, I've also come across several other veterinarians who are, who've taken the same path where they've been in, you know, veterinary medicine, clinical work, and I've switched to doing coaching. Um, I will still always do clinical work because I can never stop doing that, (laughs) but (laughs) my little side project. Um, but yeah, it's, and there's so amazing, so many amazing coaches out there and like, what I still tell people is that, you know, it's, it's a relationship like anything else. Like it's always, uh, best to just find the right fit, the right energy. Right. And when you find that right relationship, then that's when the magic happens. And it's just those coaching sessions. Cause I, I have a coach and I've been coached by many different people and I've coached many different people. And it's just, it, those moments are just like, I mean, you have these epiphanies, you have these just like aha moments that like, you're like, how did I go my whole life without realizing this? Mm -hmm. And the weight that has dropped off of you is amazing. So there's quite a great um, resource out there of just like, there's tons of coaches. And if people are looking and want to learn more about coaching, um, the International Coaching Federation, ICF, is a great place to go um, because that's where... coaches can be accredited through there and um, you can look up coaches in your area and and kind of connect to people but there's so many people out there this is becoming more of a a field of you know understanding there's executive coaches there's personal development coaches there's life coaches there's you know 
health and wellness coaches. There's so many different people out there to fit what it is that you're looking for. I love it. You know, it, it definitely feels more like people are coming back to realizing it does take a village. Absolutely. You know, I mean, we are, we are social creatures and we're not meant to be isolated. Mm -hmm. We really aren't. And that connection you get even, you know, from long-term relationships to just like having a brief conversation with someone in the grocery store, right? Like we need those connections and that energy is transferred, you know, and that, that happiness is transferred. There's studies to prove that. Mm -hmm. So it's, this is what we're meant to do. And Always coming back to your scientific mind. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for catching up with me. Uh, if you have more thoughts, I'm happy to hear them. If you have any final thoughts. Um, and definitely send me that information so I can get the word out there. Because yeah. you're doing great work. And I, I know more people can benefit from that. Yeah, awesome. I, I love that you reached out and wanted to chat somewhere. And I, I really can't thank you enough because honestly, doing that podcast the first time was all of those things had been going through my head, you know, for quite some time because you, you can't live in veterinary medicine and not see all of this. And the, the fixer in me wanted to fix it, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, Ashley sitting down with you that first time and like putting it to words and having it come out, I was like, it really connected me to that, like, this is this is my path. Like, I'm supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to just sit here and, and say, like, well, this is a problem. Like, I can be, I can become part of the solution. And so you you doing that with me kind of just, like, gave me that little ember to like, really get going. And well, so, if nothing else, if this podcast has any ripple effect like that, it is completely worth it. So <laughs> I'm very thankful to hear it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, happy April 8th as we're talking today. Um, good luck. I hope you have a fantastic day and weekend. I'm sure we'll uh, get Ben in here soon for you to get some cuddles. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day. You too. All right. That was my conversation with Dr. Jackie. It was um, emotional and vulnerable and honestly much more than I was ever expecting but I just appreciate her so much. I appreciate her love of animals. I appreciate her as a human being. And I just love that I have made any kind of impact on anyone's lives. Um, so look out for the re-release of the two-part interview that we did back in September of 2019. You can find her if you want to contact her for coaching. I'm going to have that email in the show notes. And please let us know if there's another topic that you'd like us to cover. Um, you can find us on Twitter at SomedayDeadPC. You can email us at SomedayDeadPC at gmail.com. And remember that it only takes one little ripple effect to make a difference in the world. And you might as well throw that pebble in the pond because someday we'll all be dead. <laughs>